it in your eyes Take me out to cafe binge tonight Be the beauty, sense the beauty everywhere worldwide Take me out to cafe binge tonight Welcome to the Cafe Binge Podcast. You guys, I'm sitting here with my third bowl of melon. I'm munching on um, honeydew and cantaloupe because summer feels like it's coming to an end. I don't know if you guys feel that. We went up to the canyon last night for a bonfire and it felt like fall, which I'm so excited for because fall is my most favorite, but kind of sad, right? Like I'm kind of feeling sad, remorseful about the death of summer. I mean, it's not dead yet, but it feels like fall is coming and I don't even feel like I live my full summer life. I didn't go hiking as much as I usually do. I usually love getting to the mountains all of the time. I haven't really gone swimming. We have a pool here at the house and I I think I've gone swimming two or three times. I haven't taken as many trips. I have gone to the farmer's market once and it was a dud. If you guys live in Utah, Utah County, the Provo farmer's market is a dud this year. I feel like we went, I don't even know, a couple weeks ago and there wasn't one produce stand. It was bizarre. It was a bunch of crafts, like craft booths and then fried foods, like any kind of fried food you'd want, that's what they had. And since I wasn't in the market for new jewelry or a kitchen apron or home decor or Indian fry bread with chili and cheese on top, we left totally empty-handed. So yeah, I'm kind of just feeling like I want to squeeze every last drop out of summer. And that for me is like, summer is like fresh, fresh fruit, fresh produce. My parents have a garden I grew up with gardens, so I love just like a fridge stocked full of fresh produce, especially melon. I love melon, and you can't really get good melon any time of the year except for summer. So I always have a huge container of melon in the fridge, and I eat it like bowls, like three bowls every single day. Um, I talk about this on Instagram a bunch because I'm usually posting everything I eat. I don't know why. I think I'm just obsessed with food. But I always eat melon. I always eat fruit, but melon especially on an empty stomach. Melon is the first thing I eat because it comes basically digested for you. It's so fast to digest. It's so fast to get through your system. And I love the principles of food combining, Um, eating things in a way that allows your system to process them efficiently So, I mean, it's such a like common example, but they say food combining is like the fast foods that digest quickly, like melon, is like a Ferrari, right? There's a Ferrari on the highway and then the slow digesting foods like carbohydrates or starches or proteins, those are like the dump trucks, right? They're like carrying a huge load And what happens if you eat like a big sweet potato or something or some type of protein, right? If you eat that and then you eat the fruit after, it's like a Ferrari in back 
of that dump truck on the highway, the Ferrari's revving its engine, it's wasting a lot of gas trying to get around the dump truck, but it can't. So that's what happens during food combining. And for me, I'm not a dietitian, but I know what works for me. If I eat lightest to heaviest, I feel like things pass through way more quickly. I don't feel bloated. So yeah, I usually eat fruit like the first half of the day. I'll eat fruit um, before like cooked meals or um, more complex foods. But yeah, this summer it's all about fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, melon in the morning, tons of melon. And then nighttime, I love just like grilling up some uh, squash, like zucchini or summer squash, grilling up portobello mushrooms, balsamic portobello mushrooms, huge salads with like tons of herbs and spices and lemon zest. I love doing avocado dressings for salads, like mashing up an avocado at the bottom of a bowl, putting lemon zest in it, like coriander, pink salt, mixing kale and lettuce and spinach and I just love it all. So I am going to spend the next month, couple months, fully embracing summer before fall comes. I love fall. I truly do, but I want to soak up summer. So maybe after this, I'm going to go outside in my bathing suit and just soak up some rays and get in the water and enjoy summer. So you guys, today on the podcast, I have the most beautiful, radiant, just freaking babe of a guest, Nora DeKaiser. And Nora has been my Instagram friend for, I don't even know how long, maybe a year, who knows, maybe less, maybe more. But she is a relationship coach. She is a matchmaker. She's a relationship expert. She's a life coach. And her mission is to show women the tools that they need to take control of their life and their futures. Nora has been featured on Business Insider, Cosmopolitan, ABC, Mary Claire. You guys, she's just a freaking boss babe and she knows her stuff. And I wanted her on the podcast to talk to us about relationships, healthy relationships, boundaries, and what a healthy relationship starts with, which I'm going to give you a hint. It starts with yourself and fixing yourself, which is why I truly love Nora because she's a life coach. She wants you to thrive and from your thriving mindset, your thriving body, your thriving spirit, your relationships are going to thrive. And I follow Nora, like I said, on Instagram and I see her thriving. Like she's a beautiful independent woman living in LA and just thriving, like taking on life and doing the things that she loves, taking control of her life, taking control of her future. I love watching her IG stories and seeing her just like living this beautiful life in California and going running by the beach and eating high vibe, healthy, like vibrant foods taking care of her body, taking care of her mind, taking care of her spirit, traveling with friends, exploring, going on solo road trips. I feel like Nora is goals. This woman knows herself. And when you know yourself, you know what you want and you won't accept anything less than that in relationships. 
So I am very, 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 very excited to introduce you all to Nora DeKaiser. You're going to love her. Her message is pure and wonderful and so empowering. Now, let's get to the show. I am so excited to talk to you. <laughs> I was trying to think, it. okay, Nora, so I don't even know how we found each other on Instagram because I was thinking that too. I, was I like, have no clue. I think I started following you first and I think, I don't know though, uh, but it just reminded me of how important authenticity is on Instagram because I like right when I saw your page, I think I was, I was with a friend and I was like, I feel like this girl is like my best friend. No way, <laughs> um, really? Isn't okay. it weird how we always feel like that about people? I'm like, I don't know them, but I love them more than like, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think feel like that, that about, yeah. I think the reason why that's the case is because you're so authentic to yourself and that self resonates with me, right? Because we have a lot of similar yes, interests. Totally. But similar. like if you were on Instagram and just posting like, buy this shirt from Zara, but like yeah. you don't, you don't have a why behind it. Yeah. I would just see, see another face that doesn't mean much to me, but yes. you have so much why and intention and just like raw authenticity in everything you post that, that resonates Oh, with thank you, baby. That's part. how I feel about you too, though. I'm like, that's how I feel though. I'm like, I don't want to just be sold stuff. Like I, it's like yeah. that thing, like humans love buying stuff, but hate being sold too, you know, yep. like I hate yep. being sold. Um, So I feel the same about you, about like everything you're posting. I'm like, yes, like you live this most vibrant life that I'm so into. I want to talk to you about, so you are a relationship coach. You're a writer. You have a coaching program. You worked for a matchmaker. Like I want to talk about, well, actually I want to talk about, because you're living in LA, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Where did where do you hail from? Where do you come from? <laughs> um, so I'm from Alaska originally. You actually. are. What? I want to go there. Oh my gosh! You, if you ever go, hit me up, or anyone who's listening to this, hit me up because I know. I mean, I grew up there, so I know all the places to go. It's a big state, so it's kind of overwhelming to plan a trip yeah. there. But yeah, what part so of I, Alaska are you from? From Anchorage. Okay, my sister yeah. actually lived there for a little while. Wow. She was a nanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, what was she doing there? Yeah. Uh, Alaska is, it was a wonderful place to grow up. Absolutely beautiful. Both my parents are doctors. My mom is a psychiatrist. My dad is an OBGYN. Um, but they're both really outdoorsy. And my dad would, did one rotation of his residency in Alaska and fell in love with it. And so moved up there. And then me and my older brother and older sister, we all grew up there. Um, so there's three of you. Three of us. Okay. I'm the youngest. I'm beautiful. the baby. But that's kind of honestly where my story started in matchmaking and relationship coaching is is the dinner table growing up, you know, having a mom who's a psychiatrist and a dad who's an OBGYN. Our dinner conversations were very interesting um, and very open and, and specifically open about respect for the relationship and, and respect for the woman in the relationship. Um, and, and so that is why my brain has always been wired of like, why do people do the things that they do and what makes people feel happy and what makes people feel safe in a relationship. Um, and from there I went to college. I studied psych and business. In Alaska or where did you go? I went to Ohio state. Okay. How did you end up in Ohio? Um, well, I originally went to university of Miami in Florida and I did that for a year and a half. Loved that school. It was just really far away from Alaska. And then a lot of my extended family is from Michigan and Ohio. So I actually transferred to Ohio State with my roommate and best friend. Uh, and it was cool to get both worlds of, of both of those universities. Miami's small, 
So it was really just like a small vibe. Kind of everyone knows everyone in Ohio mm-hmm. State was very much like be whoever you want to be because no one will you'll never recognize anyone tomorrow at such a mm-hmm. big school. Did you like one or the other better? Honestly, no. I like I I have good friends from both schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like schooling in general, I I do think a smaller school makes you a little bit more interested in the academics because uh, you get to know your professors a little bit more versus the. Ohio State, man, I was young. I used to love to party. So uh, college like experience was what I was craving. Yeah. And I definitely got that at Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> and I have changed so much since then. When I look back at photos of me in college, I'm like, wow, I ate differently. I, mm-hmm. I cared about myself differently. I My friendships, relationships, everything um, I looked at with a completely different vantage point. So Isn't it weird? I was talking to someone about this. It was someone I was interviewing on a podcast last week. But we were saying that, like, it almost feels like there was, like, deaths of me. Like, that was a chapter. And it's Mm -hmm. so weird to think back on, like, Amy back then. Or somebody was talking to me yesterday about how Cafe Binge has changed just the platform of, like, you used to just post, like, candy and stuff. I'm like, I know. Like, um, but I'm like, yeah, it's weird to think back on, like, that version of Amy who was me as well. But it almost feels like there was like an end of a chapter and totally. this whole new chapter feels like a whole new me. Yeah. And and I always talk about that with relationships too. I think yeah. it's actually important and, and really good for relationships to have um, a couple deaths and mm-hmm. they're good deaths, right? Because mm-hmm. from death we get beautiful life. Um, and I think as couples grow, there's going to be major changes and major shifts. And as long as you guys grow together, um, it's a beautiful new relationship. And, right. and that's why, you know, a lot of people talk about monogamy and we're not actually made as beings to be with one person for the rest of our life, but you can be with one person for the rest of life, your life and have multiple relationships within that relationship. With right. That I have, and even like down to like our cellular structure, it's like our cells are always like being replenished and made anew. It's like, you're actually like a physical different person. Like you, you are different. Like your organs are replacing themselves, you know? Okay. Sorry. I kind of cut you off with talking about schooling. So you studied in Ohio and then were you like relationships? Like that is my thing. Like that's my niche. I'm obsessed with like figuring it out. So from there, what did you do? Yeah. So I've always been the the friend that everyone comes to for relationship advice. I've always been obsessed with shows like The Bachelor and just like love in general. Um, but no, I actually moved to New York City. I got a job in recruiting. Oh, uh, yeah. I love New York. I got like little girl, want to go to the big city. It was amazing. I grew so much personally um, in that city and I loved living there. Um, and I worked in finance there for uh, one of the major banks doing recruiting. Um, but that was essentially matchmaking. I was, I was, I was getting to know, okay, this is the managing director I'm working for. What does he or she, who does he or she work well with? And then how do I go find that type of person, that personality, that work ethic and match them together? So I did that for about a year and then I found three day rule, which is the matchmaking company that I work for. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of a, a match made in heaven. As corny as that sounds, I read the job description and I immediately emailed the CEO and I said, I have to work here. This is what I was meant to do. Um, and I worked for three day rule for almost five years. I still am a partner with them, um, do a little bit of matching, but, uh, in the past year and a half, I opened my own coaching business, mm-hmm. um, because I noticed a lot of the clients I was working with, even if we found the perfect match for them, 
um, for whatever reason, they weren't ready for that match. And so I realized, okay, I really want to do some coaching to make sure that we are ready to attract the ideal type and attract the ideal life that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's beautiful. So do you feel like now in LA, you're like, this is like, this is my place. Like, this is yeah. where I'm like meant to shine. You yeah. love it? So growing up in Alaska, we used to come to LA. We'd come to Disneyland when I was younger. And I always used to say to my dad, um, <laughs> Dad, people live here year round. Like we could live here in mm-hmm. warm weather <laughs> year round. Yeah. So I always like from a young age, I always said like I think I'm gonna live in Orange County when I grow up. So the matchmaking company is actually headquartered in LA. So mm-hmm. two and a half years ago, I moved here from New York. And man, yeah, I love LA. I love the people here. They are open minded, health oriented. Um, I think you can find that niche anywhere in the world. But it is nice to, you know, live near the beach. I like to run on the beach and um, yeah, your life. I mean, your life from Instagram is like very like sunny and beautiful and like high vibe and fresh. I love it. I mean, I love just watching secondhand. I like glean off of you. It's one of those things where you can choose. I've had a lot of friends tell me like it's crazy that you've lived in New York and LA and Miami, and I'm like. Yeah, because you chose your life. Yeah, Yeah. like those are cities I wanted to live in, and I thought looked really fun, and then I did it. And Mm -hmm. it seems really scary when you think about it, but not until you're there and you're in the momentum do you realize this is just like any other city. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so going back to what you said just before this, which I totally loved when you were saying we'd set people up, we'd match make, but that person wasn't ready for the relationship. So where does a healthy relationship start with? Oh, such a good question. Um, it's kind of what I just touched on with, with knowing which city you want to live in and then just diving in. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people will get really hung up on this and think, okay, an ideal relationship starts with myself. Now I need to love myself. And they'll work on that for a while. And then they'll get lonely. And then they'll go back to their same patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so to be honest, there's no one size fits all with that question besides knowing what you want, what you deserve, what makes you feel safe, what makes you feel loved, what makes you feel seen. If you know those, you will know your boundaries. You will know how to communicate with your partner on what you need and what you don't need. Um, because unfortunately, we, we go to school and we learn math, we learn science, but we never learn who am I, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what are my values? And what do I need in a relationship? And what do I want in my future? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, unfortunately, those questions are really hard for people to answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem easy. They seem simple. No, they're hard. <laughs> yeah. And the moment you dive into them, you you have this fear of like, oh, well, I'm not quite sure. And then immediately you go look at Instagram, right? Or mm-hmm. you, you go look on Netflix or you go grab a drink with a friend. Um, and, and all of those are fun to do, but they're numbing mechanisms, right? It's the moment that we kind of lean into that space of the unknown that we feel really vulnerable and then we try to get out of it and try to numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a coach, what I do, I, I usually do a 12-week program with people um, really to dive in on that question of like, okay, who are you? And how do you know if you're ready for a serious relationship? Um, and a lot of that, in my first session, we start with our past relationships um, because everyone has some type of trauma. You know, like you can get trauma from watching a scary movie. Like yeah. that mm-hmm. is... It, Trauma isn't a bad word. It's just the way we were, you know, formed at younger ages. Um, so I go into their upbringing and their past relationships and what worked and what didn't work. 
Um, and ultimately what I'm digging for there is, is their overarching limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the story they've been telling themselves yeah. day in and day out from a young age. Ha- with um, your coaching clients, do you feel like there's been one like common limiting belief that's like pretty present? Maybe even like, because do you primarily coach men or women or a little of both? both. Okay. Yeah. Is there one both. that's present like with all of them or maybe one that's like more so with women or do you feel like it's totally different? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, it's totally different. Everyone's stories are so different. The way that we form limiting beliefs is is actually kind of a protective mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, an example that I'll give my own example, right? So I even when I heard the word limiting belief, I used to think like, oh, I know my limiting beliefs. I've done the work. I've gone to therapy. I'm a freaking relationship coach. Like I don't have any limiting beliefs. But you always kind of uncover limiting beliefs in different scenarios and different 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 paths that you've been on. Mm-hmm. So my personal limiting belief was, you know, I needed to be perfect for someone to love me. Mm-hmm. And the way to be perfect is, to, is it was to make them happy. So I was mm-hmm. always other focused. I was always making sure in every relationship I've ever been in, are they happy? Are we good? Because if they're good, I'm good. Rather than, mm-hmm. hey, am I good? Am mm-hmm. I doing what I want to do? Um, and I see that pattern yeah. with a lot of women. Yeah, that they're givers, that they're lovers. Because I think that like society teaches that, um, especially for women, because women are primarily like mothers, right? And like oftentimes stay at home and it's like moms are so selfless. Like I know that with my mom that was the case. Like she was so selfless, but I'm like – didn't really take time for herself. And so I think mm-hmm. we see that over and over and over again. It's yeah. like such a huge paradigm that we have to retell ourselves. Totally. And so that if, if that to answer your question for women specifically, that's a big commonality that I see is mm-hmm. other focused. Um, mm-hmm. And that's again, like you're saying, very normal. We are mothers for a reason because we are able to focus on others while we're able to focus on other things. Most men I meet are pretty linear. They can mm-hmm. only focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tell a lot of my female clients, I don't recommend dating a guy who's just starting his business because being a linear thinker, he's going to think of his business first and then you second. Um, so I usually recommend dating. Yeah, I usually. So do you feel like for men, life. like they they need to have like an established career or be yeah. be somewhere stable before they're in a place to delve into a, a relationship? Men, totally. A lot of men drive their identity with their success, um, and a lot of women drive their identity with their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I really focus for my female clients on their relationship with themselves because if they're full with that, if their cup is overflowing with their relationship with themselves. That will be the armor they need to do anything in life, right? So if some guy breaks her heart, she's okay because she's full on her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, that will hurt, but it won't hurt for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Or you won't get caught up in the games because immediately yeah. when you know one of those games, you'll say, wait, this is not what I want. Right. And you'll have a boundary and you'll know what you're looking for. Right. That's beautiful. So how do you feel – how do you best teach your women that you're coaching – to fill their own cup? How do you teach them to find their truth, find their passion, what they like? Because I think you're like, it's right. I think I was raised in a home where we all people pleased. And so even choosing like a movie that we all wanted to watch, like on Friday night, if we were doing like a family night, it was painful. Like we didn't, we never got anywhere because everyone was like, you pick, you pick, you know, like I don't care. 
So for oh, me, oh. it was the hardest thing, even when someone would ask, like, where do you want to go to dinner? I'd be like, I, I'm whatever, like you pick, you know, how do you, how do you relearn like what you actually like, you know, yeah. without, without society telling you like what's cool or what you should or right. what's good or what's right or whatever. How do you best find that out? Totally. So it first starts with that first session I was mentioning where we kind of get to know your limiting beliefs. So Mm -hmm. an example of a client I recently have been working with, her her limiting belief came from the first guy she dated. And it was a really tough relationship on and off, um, a little bit emotionally abusive. And so I said, well, who who did you have to be to get his love? And she said, well, I had to be whoever he wanted me to be that day. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. That is a huge limiting belief. And that has played out in the rest of her life where that day, does she be this person for her boss or this person for her boss? That day, does is she supposed to be this person for this date or this person for this date? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's confusing. And that is a mind game in itself. So first, how you know, um, you know, how to live the life you want to live is to know the stories you've been telling yourself and be aware of that and be aware that they're not true mm-hmm. and then change that story. So usually the way to change a story is the exact opposite of the, what's, what the story has been. So my example of, oh, I needed to be perfect to be loved, the way I change that story is I'm perfect just exactly how I am. As long as I am authentic to who I am, I am perfect. doesn't mm-hmm. matter what anyone else thinks, right? Yeah. And in her scenario of, oh, I need to be whoever he wants me to be that day, you need to be whoever you want to be that day, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a really simple switch, but when you start telling yourself that story, it is crazy to see the difference in your confidence and and how well you know yourself on a deep rooted level. Mm-hmm. The next step after that is then to identify you know who you are, and that's really where we get into some some not hard work. It's beautiful work, but it's deep work. So that's when you spend a lot of time alone mm-hmm. um, without the numbing mechanism. So you know maybe delete Instagram for one week. Um, don't plan anything with friends for one week. Maybe don't drink for one week, or you know anything that you tend to notice that you're distracting yourself with, just get rid of that for one week and journal and just Mm -hmm. see coming up for you. Um, Because you'll be surprised the thoughts that are coming up for you that you haven't let up for years. And the more you notice those thoughts, the more you'll realize which ones resonate with you and which ones you love and make you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um, And which ones are like, wait, this is an anxious thought. It's not true. I would usually numb it by going out with my friends and ignoring it. But I'm just going to say, hey, this thought isn't true. I'm putting you in the trash bin. Or this thought is beautiful. I actually like spending time alone. Or I actually love learning about spirituality. And I want to dive into that more. Um, I think where we get confused is when we're, again, making everyone else um, kind of our, 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 like your post from today, our CEOs of our life, Mm -hmm. right? So if my friends like to drink, I like to drink. Um, that's me for an example. Like when I was in college, I hated drinking, but all the people I hung out with liked to drink. So I drank. Mm-hmm. And then finally, about two years ago, I stopped drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends gave me a lot of slack. Why don't you go out with us anymore? Cause that wasn't filling my soul, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't making me feel full. That might make other people feel full, but that was a hard decision for me, me to make. And I would have never known that unless I spent time alone. Yeah. Was it scary to tell people that? Or like, is it scary to start living in your authentic truth? And like, do you feel like you lost friends or you had to create a new tribe of people? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, Just to clarify, I drink sometimes, like maybe one glass a month, but uh, like not compared to what I used to do. It's much different. And yeah, I had a lot of friends. I didn't lose friends because I don't ever think there's a, a full loss 
um, in any friendship or relationship. It's just a transition and a transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just naturally started hanging out with people that viewed the world in the same way I viewed the world and lifted me up and were better than me. I'm a firm believer in we are the average of the five people we spend time with. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one of those things where I'm so close with those friends. We just do different things. And if they ask me to do something that I don't want to do, I'll say, hey, that's I'm not really, that doesn't really sound that fun to me, but if you ever want to do this with me, let's do it together. Um, A lot of people are really, really scared of that judgment, but in reality, no one cares as much about your life as you do uh, at all. Trust me, they are not coming home and thinking, I can't believe Nora didn't do this this one time last week. They don't care. They forgot about it. You are thinking that and driving yourself nuts. The more you're able to let it go and just understand there's no, it's not black and white. There's, it's, it's not yes or no, right or wrong. It's just this beautiful journey of you are expressing who you are and mm-hmm. learning who you are and growing into that. Mm-hmm. And the people that align with that will grow with you. Um, yeah. And the people that don't will still be there. Yeah. Um, but, but you can plan other kind of activities that you want to do with them. Absolutely. I totally believe in that. Whatever, I guess, like frequency you're putting out, you know, it's resonant frequencies, like whoever is going to be in your tribe, it's because that's, that's who you're Mm -hmm. being in that moment, right? And I think even for me, I've noticed that when I no longer want to like participate in things I used to, or even telling people scary truths about me, if I approach it in a way of feeling like a little bit of fear or or I don't know, like telling them things, but adding all these precursors onto it of like, I know it's kind of weird and like da 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 da. I feel like they react differently to me than if I were to just authentically own it, right. have no shame. It's like the energetics of it. I feel like people subconsciously pick up on things, you know? So I feel like if oh, I were like, oh, projecting all this fear onto it, it would be mirrored back to me. At 100%. least that's what I think. Yeah. No, it's so true. I mean, if, if you don't believe in it yourself, no one else will, right? right. Like you have to be the author of your own story. Right. And if you're writing that book, like, um, I'm not sure if you guys are going to like this chapter or not. Right. Right? <laughs> Which no one does. Yeah. That would be, yeah. that's an awful book. Yeah. Right. Exactly. People will be thinking like, I don't like this book versus if you're like, Hey, I am starting a new chapter. I'm so excited about it. It fulfills me. Mm-hmm. Anyone who is a good, true friend to you will love that. Um, right. and, and you'd be surprised how many people that you don't even know are waiting for you to succeed to cheer you on. Right. Um, it's crazy. So as long as you move forward with that, they are so excited for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you were saying before you recommend that um, people spend like a week alone just to, mm-hmm. with no vices, with no nubbing agents, like nothing. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that usually cuts it or do you recommend for some people? You need to just date yourself for like, Oh, 100%. Yeah. Four so of these week 12 is- weeks I'm coaching you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it depends on what's going on. Cause some people have, you know, are recently out of a relationship. Some people have already spent a lot of time alone. Um, so I kind of need to meet people where they are and mm-hmm. then make my coaching, um, you know, specific for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, the journey of finding your ideal relationship or your ideal match, because I work with people in relationships or people who are single, the steps are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, it's all about really, really, truly knowing your relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and being so in love with yourself. Mm-hmm. that you can't wait to share that with someone else. And you'll start attracting someone who's also so in love with themselves. But um, in terms of taking time to yourself, it usually does take longer than a week. 
that's what I start with. And then I start to see my clients really open up and see how beautiful this process can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so usually we take longer and set goals each week of like, okay, well, let's do this activity next week. This will open up your eyes to this part of yourself. Oh, you're really liking this activity. Let's acknowledge that and dive deeper into that. Um, so I don't normally say you have to spend 12 weeks alone because that scares the shit out of people. Yeah. But it does end up lasting longer than just one week. I think it's scary for people until they realize how fun it is, right? I think being alone is wonderful. I'm like, I love just taking myself to dinner or going to a movie by myself or I don't know, but it is scary to be like silent with yourself for that long yeah. and to have to deal with all the internal crap you haven't wanted to deal with. Yeah, right. like the thoughts that come up that if you would have a numbing agent, they wouldn't come up or if they did, you right. would just numb it really quickly to yeah. be able to like, ooh, like sit there and have it all come up. Mm-hmm. It's scary. But yeah, I feel like once you do it, you're like, oh, like it's like you I feel am. like lighter. Yeah. And it's like oh, beautiful. Yes. Yeah. That's why, you know, a lot of relationships and marriages um, are two people living in their own numbing agents, whatever that is. And a lot of that can just be like the stories we're telling ourselves, the limiting beliefs. That's a numbing agent in itself. And so rather than one unified partnership where you are so connected on a deep soul, spiritual level, it's just two separate entities married, right? Or in a relationship that aren't connected because they're both in their own numbing circles. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of being by yourself is, okay, you're getting rid of your, your, your own personal circle that you've created around yourself to keep yourself safe. And you're learning, okay, what is it that makes me feel safe without numbing myself? And you're learning how to fill that up first. And mm-hmm. then you can have just like the deepest, most beautiful connection. Yeah. And these connections are with your partner, with your best friends, with your boss, um, relationships, you know, the quality of our relationships are the quality of our lives. And right. that doesn't just mean your intimate relationship. That is your relationship with everything in your life. But again, that relationship starts with your relationship with yourself. Absolutely. I love that. Um, what do you think, like, do you do any type of like reparenting work? Because I know that so many times people have these triggers or these limiting beliefs from their childhoods. And a lot of times it's like a dad who didn't show up or a mom who didn't show up. And then they try to like, I don't know. I just think like karmically these relationships manifest because you're trying to figure that out with your dad or something. How do you know if it's that or if you're just stuck in another way? How do you unravel all the internal mess that's, you know, messing with your relationships. Um, So again, I do that all in my first session um, where I get to know, okay, tell me about your upbringing. Um, And and the big question there is, okay, who did you have to be to be loved by that person that you were Mm. craving love from? Yeah. And that answers very quickly. And then that brings us again to the story you've been telling yourself because that story is your safety net. So Mm. another girl I recently worked with, her dad was very busy, never really present. Um, and, and she, you know, of course craved his love a little bit more than she got it. And I said, so who did you have to be to get his love? And she said, oh my gosh, I had to be the fun girl. I had to be Mm -hmm. funny and fun and playful. My brother was only a year older than me. So he got a lot of the attention. So when I got love from my dad and got attention, it was when I was fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we go into her current relationships and she hasn't had any serious relationships. She's about 30. Um, and most of her dates end up in having sex the first night. That's There's nothing wrong with that. I know a lot of couples who are married and totally in love from having sex on the first night. There's no rule there. But 
the story she's been telling herself is the same story she was telling herself with her dad. She has to be the fun girl. And of course, if you know men, most men do want to have sex on a first date. There's lots of stats on that. And so her thinking, oh, to make this guy like me, I have to be the fun girl and I have to have sex mm-hmm. on the first date. And so it's, it's my goal as a coach is not to draw this stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. It's already painful to think about the past and what we've been through and, and sit in it. So I try to focus on that in the first session of, okay, what's the story you've been telling yourself? You have to be the fun girl. What's the real story? You have to be whoever you are, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be whoever makes you happy. And then who is that person? And then we dive again into who that person is and what that person, what would make that person feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. I love that. When do you feel like, because you mentioned before going to therapy and stuff, like when do you feel like with dealing with past trauma, what do you feel like you can do on your own? And when do you feel like it's time to reach out to a therapist or another way of healing that? Because a lot of times I've noticed this, that I think as children, um, we block a lot of things. Do you think Mm -hmm. that like we block a lot of what we can't comprehend and like there could be actual trauma and I never know like so in my past I have some trauma but I can't consciously remember it. I know it happened but sometimes I'm like how do I deal with that when I can't even remember it? Does that make sense? And I'm like oh is this something I can do on my own or is this something I can just talk through forgive through like I don't know or have a coach guide me through this. Yeah. So the first step for that, and and you mentioned this when uh, in the last second we were talking before of like uh, we oftentimes are basically like are we repeating something from the past? Mm-hmm. Are we trying to fix something from the past? Mm-hmm. So the way the telltale sign to say, oh, maybe something is coming up for me, and maybe I should focus on this and work on this on my own, and eventually I do recommend working with a coach or a therapist just for the momentum of getting started and the clarity. Mm-hmm. But the telltale sign to look for is patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice patterns in the type of guy you're dating or the type of relationship you're having or the type of pains you're feeling, um, are you getting anxiety every day? What, where is that coming from? And, and keep asking that question, where is it coming from? Why is this here? Why do I keep dating the same type of guy? But really, what type of guy is that? Where did I meet him? Why am I attracted? And just go deeper, 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 asking where and why um, of those patterns. You'll get to your answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that easy. There's no easy button for life. But when you do notice those patterns and just start journaling about them and just start being aware of them and allowing them and seeing them is the moment, I think, to start working with a coach. Okay. Um, because then, then you can start building yourself up. And really changing those patterns. But mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, my the reason why I'm a coach myself is because my first experience of love was incredibly emotionally abusive. Um, and I had no idea. I grew up in a very loving family. My family was, my parents were very unconditionally loving, always there. Um, but I fell for the bad boy. And I fell for this guy that I always, you know, to be loved by him, I had to feel perfect. I had to be perfect. And I played that game for three and a half years of him putting me down and me trying to build myself up. Um, And so since then, every guy I've dated has had similar patterns. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the bad boy? Yeah, just Mm -hmm. the bad boy, the kind of avoidant um, relationship style where you never really know what he's thinking, stoic, masculine which caused me to be very anxious. What's going on? Does he love me? Should I be better so he can love me more? Should I be prettier? Should I do this? What can I do to make this man love me? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and finally, when I became aware of this cycle and got out of this cycle and felt how much power I have within myself, 
and how I don't need anyone else to tell me that I'm beautiful or tell me that I'm good or great or whatever. All I need is me. Um, mm-hmm. is the moment that I said, I never want another woman to go through this pain because that sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is scary and lonely and, and so hard to do on your own. Um, and so how I realized that is the pattern. I was like, huh, the first guy I dated finally got out of that, felt good to get out of it. But the next guy I dated, he looked different, right? Like he seemed nicer. It was almost like, it was like a, it was like the same guy in a different package, right? Yeah. Like he looked so different, but a year in, oh my gosh, it's the exact same pattern. It's the exact same scenario. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the biggest way to tell if, if trauma is manifesting and blocking you in your life is if you have some patterns right. um, and then figure out, okay, well, where did that pattern start? And that's really when you can start doing the work. Okay. I love that. That's so beautiful. So do you feel like once someone's ready to date, once they've done a lot of self-work, how do you recommend they best go about doing market research to figure out like who like who, who they can – I don't know because sometimes I think we have those – Ooh, even though you know it's not good for you, you then realize, oh, this is the same relationship. This is like the same thing. Mm-hmm. So like figuring mm-hmm. out – what your needs are and what your likes are and like mm-hmm. what your deal breakers are. Do you feel like you recommend, I don't know, do you recommend do this many dates? Do, I don't know, mm-hmm. just like don't don't commit to a relationship for this long or mm-hmm. is there a hard rule or is it just case by case? So actually you're going to love this analogy because it has to do with food mm, and eating it. healthy. <laughs> um, I, I, I relate it to, in my personal story, I can't eat dairy. It absolutely kills my stomach. And I had to test with that for a while. I didn't understand why I was sick, what wasn't going on. So I tested different foods and then realized, oh, wow, dairy is bothering my stomach. And I completely cut it out. And the same thing with dating, you have to experience it a little bit. You can't just like uh, create this robot for mm-hmm. yourself and say, this is my perfect man. I've done all the work and I've done all the worksheets and I know my five top five must-haves in a relationship. Um, you kind of have to get out there and just have fun with dating mm-hmm. and understand it in the same capacity we were talking about earlier. Of This is an experience. This is a flow. It is not black or white or yes or no. It what, it's what feels good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as your relationships are getting better every time, uh, you're doing something right. Because mm-hmm. the moment that your relationship isn't growing, it's dying. The moment that your dating life isn't growing, it's How dying. can you tell if it's not growing? Um, in a relationship or when you're dating? I think in a relationship. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, we can say you're dating in a relationship, but like maybe even like the three month stage, because I feel like right. oh, good growing, I don't know, isn't so like linear, but I also think it's like people, yeah. people just want to date to date. And I'm like, it doesn't have to go toward marriage to be growing. How can you tell it's not growing anymore? Right. So when it comes to dating, you can tell it's growing if every relationship is getting better. Right. So if you're like, I don't know if I could ever get someone better than this. Well, that's great. That means you are growing in what you want and it's getting closer and closer. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are in a relationship, if you've been dating for three months and you're, I mean, this is an annoying answer, but you kind of know, like, you know, in your gut, like if you're still saying like, we haven't had the exclusive talk or he's not telling me about his emotions or Mm -hmm. I feel kind of bored. Those are all stagnant statements. And that doesn't mean the relationship is dead. That means you, you need the momentum to move forward. You need a, a part of you that's going to feel closer to him. Again, as we talked about earlier in this chat, um, every relationship is going to have many relationships within that relationship. Um, and that is a beautiful thing to do and grow with your partner. But if you ever just feel like 
I'm not connected to him emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, just on a communication level. That's another telltale sign. Like that is not growing. You guys are two passing ships. You guys are two private entities. Mm-hmm. You your, you know, mechanisms to keep you safe without connecting with each other. Right. That- it's yeah, it's hard though. Yeah. I love what you said, but it's hard because I feel like relationships and this is something that I'm just like figuring out because you need to be your whole person and it's like two whole people coming together you're your own entities but it's hard to know like I was talking to my brother about this this past weekend actually because he was like why do people need relationships if you can just be okay on your own you know how do you maintain your sense of like Mm -hmm. "Mm," I would not want to say independence or codependence, like interdependence, right? Like what components make up a healthy relationship, right? Like, do you feel like there's like a few components that it's like, this is a healthy relationship and this is, or maybe there's no shoulds of it. Maybe it's just like whatever you want it to be. But do you feel like there are a few like healthy components of, this is what it means to be in a relationship because you want to be your own person, but also you're in a relationship for a reason. Does that make sense? Totally, 100%. Our society, this is the first time in human history that we define our romantic partner um, in the way that we define them now. It used to be an endowment, right? It used to be, oh, I have this land, he has this land, and we will be together because we have this monetary value. Um, Now we look at our partners and we think they need to be our best friend, our business partner, our spiritual partner, our massage therapist, Mm -hmm. our chiropractor, you know. Like, oh, I love the massage therapist. Yeah, right. Our therapist, our, you know, workout partner. Mm -hmm. We expect so much from our intimate partners and our romantic partners now. And that is is always going to be disappointing because no person is ever going to fulfill what a community used to fulfill for us because we Mm -hmm. used to be such community driven people. Yes, you had your partner that you had sex with or the mother of your children, father of your children. But then you had the friend next door and you Mm -hmm. had this person it. So um, it's, it's a high expectation that we have for partners. And I always recommend that you don't think that they can fix everything for you. And again, you're, what, what we've been talking about the whole time, learning how to fix yourself and grow within yourself and be content with that. And then adding someone else into it is the most beautiful way to have a connection. But you're right. There are characteristics of a relationship that you need to feel safe. Um, and I usually break those down into four categories. The first um, is is consistency, right? So someone who is constantly there, you feel safe in the sense of, okay, I know we're together. I know where his head is at. I know he's not going anywhere. I know that I'm safe and consistent. And I know when I I ask something of him, I'm going to get a consistent response. That builds trust and connection and love. Mm -hmm. Um, The second is kind of inconsistency, is variability, is playfulness. There's a reason why, uh, there's a reason why people like to, drink or do drugs, right? It, it gives you this sense of like, oh, what's going to happen tonight? In the same sense with your partner, um, you can get that same, I don't think drinking or doing drugs is the way to get that inconsistency or that variability. I think you can get that in a partnership by changing the way you're having sex sometimes. Or, Absolutely. Like you can't um, just do it on the bed, like missionary yeah. style every time yeah. and be like, it's yeah. just like systematic. Yeah. Because if it's only consistency, you'll get the sense that they're your mother or they're your father or some type of familial relationship because hopefully in your upbringing, it was, it was, it was somewhat consistent and you felt safe with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's too consistent, 
you'll start to give that person as your roommate Mm -hmm. rather than your lover. The love and the ecstasy and all of that comes from the inconsistency, the playfulness, the variability, the, the surprise trips, the surprise flowers, the, you know, anything like that, that's just more playful and kind of the inner child. Um, the third value that you really need in a romantic partnership is significance. So you need to know that that person sees you for who Mm -hmm. you are. Um, and that a lot of time comes from like your job, right? Like, or or your passion or you as a mother, um, if you are doing that and they see you, they come home and they share that space of you are the best mother ever, or you take off your shirt before bed and they look at you and they say, you are the sexiest woman in the world, something like that. That makes you feel significant. Unfortunately, a lot of people in relationships don't feel significant from their partner. And so they, they try to get it from other places like social media. That's why. How many likes do I have? That makes you feel significant from other people, right? We're all trying to crave significance from other people. But if you want it from your partner, um, there are beautiful ways to get it from your partner. But a big way to know how to get it from your partner is to express how you need it from your partner. Because some people don't need to hear at the end of the night when you take your shirt off to go to bed, your husband saying, like, you're the sexiest person in the world. Some people don't need to hear that. Some people need to you know, have the, their partner stock the fridge w- once in a while. That would make them feel, oh, I'm significant to him. He's thinking about me. He's kind of taking care of me in a sense. So you need to know the ways that you feel significant. Mm-hmm. And some of that aligns with, I'm sure a lot of people listening have read the book, The Five Love Languages. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Right. Do you believe in that? Totally. Oh yeah. my gosh. All of this is just ways to break it down in a way that is digestible uh, because relationships are really confusing. And there's two separate people who have separate lives, separate pasts. And, and have had maybe one person had a good day, one person had a bad day. You need to understand how to give each other love and, and have your cup filled. Mm-hmm. But in the level of significance that I'm saying that you need with a relationship, that usually where the five level images come in is right. where saying like to feel significant in this relationship, I need words of affirmation or I Absolutely. need quality time. I was yeah. talking about this with my friend the other day. We were at Kundalini and we were talking after about the love languages. And I was like, I think my love language is just being seen, but I feel like the five love languages are just that. It's like showing how that person sees you. Cause so I'm like, they could do any of the things. And as long as like, I know they truly see me. Right. Because if someone gives you like a gift that like you can tell was, you know, like repurposed or, or, or like it was, I don't know. It was, had no personal connection to me or anything or, or an act of service that didn't feel like they knew me or they saw me, yeah. it wouldn't mean anything. I mean, I would be mm-hmm. like, thank you. Like, that's beautiful. Thank you. But I feel like an act when someone truly sees you, it's like the most beautiful thing. So I feel like mm-hmm. the five langu- love languages are, yeah, breaking it down. It's like digestible, but it's really just like seeing that person. Don't that's you think? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And that's where significance, I mean, you feel significant when you feel seen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's beautiful. So what do you think, as we were talking, I was thinking about um, how often relationships, romantic relationships kind of turn familial and like a roommate. So what do you feel like, why does that happen? Why, for lack of a better term, like how does it lose its magic? Like how does it, like how is the spark lost? Like what do you, what do you feel like happens? Is it that thing that it just becomes too familial to familial and very consistent? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So a a couple of things. It's usually when it, when it becomes very consistent and, 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 and the certainty is very high in the relationship. Um, That is all good. That's going to make you feel safe. 
But that, again, reminds you of the way that you were brought up. Um, because anytime someone has to take care of you, um, takes away the sexiness and it makes you feel like a familial relationship as if your mother is taking care of you or the father is taking care of you. So a lot of men after having sex, they'll say, how did that feel? Mm-hmm. Or did that feel good? And when they're asking you that, they are really asking that question for them. They're getting affirmation of like, did I do good? Like, yeah. did I take care <laughs> of you? And that, that is so unsexy, right? It absolutely but, is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. Because it's like, oh, baby, it was nice. Like, thanks. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're taking care of him like you take care of a child. And yeah. immediately the sexiness goes away mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, a guy confidently saying like, you're amazing. <laughs> wow, that makes you feel like, oh my gosh, like we are connected, we are deep or, or vulnerably saying like, I've never felt more connected to you. Something with the positive sense of, I know we are connected on such a deep level and I'm here to see you and make you feel significant. Mm -hmm. That is when you keep the sex alive versus when you are taking care of someone's emotions. There will always be time in relationships where you have to take care of your partner in some capacity. And that's beautiful too. That's why we have this kind of a monogamous relationship is, is sometimes um, feels a little bit safer than a polyamorous relationship. Cause you know, you'll have one person, even when you're sick, someone will take care of you. Um, but on the other side, a polyamorous relationship is exciting. It has that variability. It has that uncertainty. And so sometimes those relationships can seem sexier. Right. Um, so it's kind of just where your values align and, and, and where, what you're looking for in a relationship. But I assure you there is a way to get uncertainty, certainty, significance in your romantic relationship and keep that alive. The last kind of part of a relationship that I think is necessary um, is love and connection because that's just a huge human value that we all crave. Um, And unfortunately, in today's society, most of us settle for connection. So we just settle for, I'm dating this guy, I've been dating him for a year and a half, he's great, I don't know, but... I'm, I'm with him because we're good, right? Okay, that's yeah. a connection. That's okay. not a deep love. Um, I recommend getting connection from your girlfriend, um, from your therapist, from your coach, like all of those places that we used to get connection from the village we lived in, get those connections from your family. And then love, I recommend getting that from your one partner. Well, how do you know um, if it's love and how do you know if it's infatuation or how do you know if it's like this codependency thing that you're just like, how do you, how can you differentiate like what's love and like what's, yeah. what's fear basically yeah. like at the root of it, what's fear? So love is the strongest emotion, the strongest motivator in the whole world. And so that's why sometimes we can mix that up with, uh, codependence or, you know, some type of manipulative or emotionally abusive relationship, we can feel like we love that person. But really deep down, uh, we're just we're just missing something in ourselves that we're trying to get filled. Mm-hmm. Love, feeling of love is vulnerability, is being able to be fully nakedly seen by the person that you're with and then being able to be fully nakedly seen by you mm-hmm. and feeling safe. Right. Um, that versus connection is, oh, this was so much fun, like having dinner with you tonight or mm-hmm. going, you know, day trip with you. That is a beautiful love and connection. But um, I think the biggest difference is that, yeah, love is, is the vulnerability that you are really scared to share with anyone else. Right. And like, just for everyone listening, I feel like for me, that was the biggest that was the biggest game changer in my own relationship is that 
we had a great connection, but it was me. It was my own fear of not wanting to be vulnerable, of like wanting to keep the mask on because I had like never taken it off, right? So I thought there was like this big problem and we had this great connection, but there was a problem. But I feel like that was my own, that was my own fear of not wanting to take off the mask. And I feel like taking off the mask and being vulnerable and it's scary as anything, but that's like where the magic happens. Do you agree? But like you can't have a good relationship without being vulnerable and like seen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, hundred percent. It's, it's so scary to be very, very vulnerable with your partner. Um, and, and, and to be honest, most people aren't able to be vulnerable with their partners because they haven't been vulnerable with themselves. So they don't even know it's there. No. And I think people, people are in year long, I mean, years long relationships and get married and are still never like vulnerable. I was watching, oh gosh, what is that show called? Oh, um, it's on Amazon, Mrs. Maisel, something Mrs. Maisel. But like, it's like this lady in the forties or fifties and she goes to sleep like and as soon as her husband falls asleep, she like runs to the bathroom and like takes off her makeup and like puts her hair in curlers and then gets back in bed. And then before he gets up, she wakes up and puts on her makeup and then gets back in yeah. bed. And I just think like, I mean, it's so silly, but I feel like people do that, not in such physical terms, but like we, we like put on this mask and we're like, yeah. we're playing this part because like we want to be yeah. perfect. But right. I feel like that's going to. I don't know. That to me will kill things more than anything else. 100%. I feel like you feel and dead that in it. Yeah. And that all goes back to what we first started talking about of whose love did you crave the most when you were younger and who did you have to be to receive that love? Yeah. And that was your, that was your kind of just protective mechanism. And that was your story that you've told yourself for so long. Right. And the moment you change that story, the moment you don't need to run back in and take off your makeup or be this other person for someone else, because you're so satisfied with the person you are for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And something just going along with that, I think sometimes it can also be the person you like hated the most growing up because sometimes people have totally. this negative relationship like with their dad and like they mm-hmm. didn't like him but like mm-hmm. deep down deep like subconsciously they craved their love the most and that so I feel like yeah. that question of like whose love did you crave but maybe like who did you hate or resent yeah. or I mean not yeah. always but sometimes it's a little hazy behind there um yeah. okay I want to ask oh sorry keep going oh I was just gonna say we we didn't come out of the womb with a feeling of hate, right? No. Like the only thing we knew was love. And yeah. if we get rejected enough, if, if our love gets rejected enough, that turns into hate. So Absolutely. really it's the answer is like whose love did you crave? But it might have at this point in your life turned into whose love like who Absolutely. did you hate? Absolutely. If you I don't know if you watch this, I'm sure you did because you love him, but if anyone else is listening, that Tony Robbins like on Netflix, did you watch that? Yeah. And he's oh, yeah. talking to that girl and he said that, whose love did you crave? And she's like, my yeah, mom. He's like, your mom. And she's like, my dad. Mm-hmm. But like, I hated him, you know? So it was this process mm-hmm. of like reparenting mm-hmm. herself right then and forgiving that. So she was mm-hmm. able to invite love into her life that she wasn't looking to fulfill through totally. a partner. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'm wondering if you have like three tips for listeners on how to maybe like add spark back into a relationship that doesn't feel dead, but that maybe needs to wake up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would think about, okay, those four things that I mentioned that a relationship needed certainty, uncertainty, significance, and love and connection. Think about not the love you're craving from your partner and missing, but how you are giving that love to your partner. And and so go through those four things and think, am I making him feel certain? Am I making him feel like, you know, what he wants and safe in our relationship and I'm always going to be here for him? Am I making him feel uncertain? Am I planning spontaneous trips for him? Am I giving 
exciting gifts to him, um, kind of keeping the spontaneity alive in the relationship? Am I making him feel significant? Am I making him feel seen? Do I tell him what he's doing with his career? Wow, that is so impressive. I'm so proud of you. Whatever he cares about, do I make sure to make that significant too and, and make that known to him? And lastly, are we are we connected on a deeper love connection? You'll, when you do that process, you'll realize one of those is really lacking. Mm-hmm. And my recommendation to bring the spark back into a relationship is to fill his cup with whatever you feel like you might have been lacking um, in that relationship. And he'll notice um, because men are really interesting. They don't react to negative criticism. So if you say like, babe, you're never here for me. You're always late. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't hear that. He will only hear his mom nagging him versus if you give him that, if you are always early. Um, or if you always leave him love notes, cause you're kind of really secretly wanting him to leave you love notes, he'll catch on <laughs> and he wants to make you happy. If he's in a relationship with you, that's what he wants. He just doesn't know how to do it. Um, so my biggest recommendation is one, go through those kind of four qualities that we mentioned Two, realize which one is lacking that you aren't giving enough of. And then three, fill his life with that. And I assure you, the connection will be way more close between you two. And he'll start asking you questions. Babe, you've changed. What are you doing? What did you read? Oh, I listened to this girl. (laughs) And then saying, well, how can I do that for you? And it will just be a beautiful, natural, uncontrolled process of connection rather than, you know, I think the fear for a lot of relationships is when you start controlling each other. Like, you have to do this with me. Do it this way. No one. That's again when you get to the familial relationship, and um, because you're taking care mm-hmm. versus the playful, fun, divine relationship. Oh, beautiful! I love that. Okay, I want to ask you because taking care of yourself is like the first step. Always being able to have a full cup is the key to a healthy relationship. How do you, Nora, best take care of yourself? Like, what does that look like day to day? Like, how do you take care of yourself, mind, body, soul? What practices do you love? Um, oh my gosh, this is such a good question. I, so I told you guys, like I was a people pleaser. I always wanted to make other people happy. Um, and I actually broke up with my boyfriend this February And it was a really interesting breakup because a lot of people asked me as a matchmaker and a relationship coach, are you in a relationship? And I'm really proud to say that I'm not um, because I was in a really great relationship. He would have been a great guy to marry. He will be a great partner to someone in the future. But I knew in my gut that he wasn't my guy. Um, And it was so hard to walk away from that. But the moment I did, I started not just speaking my truth, but acting in my truth and actually doing the things that I recommended for all my clients. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time alone this summer, really just reconnecting with myself and what does Nora want? I went on this solo road trip to Sedona, right? Didn't you? Yeah. Oh, I'm I so proud of you. I love um, that. That was such a weird thing for me to do because I'm, again, a, a pleaser of others. So as I was driving, I was like, what should I listen to? Like, usually I would just listen to whatever the other person in the car wants to listen to because that mm-hmm. would make me happy. But for the first time in my life, I was totally alone and I just really, really got to know myself. So that's kind of a macro answer of you really got to spend the time alone and yeah. get to know what makes you fulfilled on a daily schedule. I have an amazing morning routine, um, that Tell no matter how it. I'm feeling or what time I wake up, this is what I do. I wake up, I have water with lemon and a little bit of salt. Love I know that. you talk about that a lot Love too. Um, and then I go on a two mile run or a two mile walk. If I'm not feeling the run, I just walk. 
And I used to call my mom on this. I don't anymore because I think it's really valuable in the morning to spend that time with yourself. Yeah. Um, what I try to mull over while I'm running or walking is, okay, what's the one thing I really want to focus on today? What's my big project? What's the toad, right? Like what's the thing I have to get done that I've been fearful of getting done that I've been pushing off? What's my big dream? Where do I want to go? How am I going to impact people? Um, so whatever it is that you is, is your passion is that the, the step that you know you have to take to get you forward to the next step to your big goal that's what I kind of mull over on that rock and then I come back I have celery juice I love it uh, yeah because I just had some mold in my apartment so oh my goodness yes real quick okay. how did you how did you know that that happened because oh you talked God. about mold that's and like Okay, well, we'll have to do it sometime because that's a real thing. And like three people at the same time talked about mold. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like, yeah. do I have that? Yeah, no, you would never. So quickly, I live in Venice in L.A. And I live um, in a really, really cute, nice apartment. You would have never guessed there was mold in it. It was all updated, nice furnishing, clean. But my roommate started getting really sick. Um, her hair was falling out. She started getting a lot of rashes. She had got two ulcers. And it was pretty weird. So she started getting tested for things and they found mold in her system. The scary thing about mold is it can affect all of our bodies in different ways. I didn't have any side effects besides at the last couple months of us living there, I got a lot of sinus infections. So yeah. I got really sick with sinus infections. But that's the scary thing is that I had it in me too. I got tested and it was high toxins, mycotoxins in my system. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a complete nightmare. But one of the big detoxes for mold is Celery juice. Right, right. Beautiful. And then I work on my one thing. So that thing I was mulling over in the run, then I work for one hour. And at this point, I have not checked my phone, my email, my Instagram, nothing. I am working just without any distractions for one hour on that thing that I've been scared to work on and just focusing on it. Is that like a work thing or it's a personal thing? Or just whatever? If someone's like going through a breakup, um... I would recommend that one hour being journaling about that breakup because that's your clearest thoughts. Um, so it's, it's whatever really is going to push you forward to the to the next step um, because I think we always get really scared with big goals. Like if you want to start a podcast and you're listening to this and you're like, I can't believe Amy has this podcast and it's amazing. How did you do that? Um, that seems like such a big thing. But the first step to start a podcast is to know what you want to talk about. Okay, right. so for that first hour, the first step, let's just talk about what you like to talk about what you know a lot about, what resonates with you, what care, what you care about, what's your why. And that's it. You don't have to do it the whole day. It's not overwhelming. Just one step forward. If you want to get over your ex, you don't, you're not going to get over him in a day. But one step forward, the thing that maybe you've been putting off for a long time, do that for an hour and just journal about it. So it can be work. It can be personal. It can be whatever you think is blocking you, basically, from moving forward with what you want to get done. And the reason I do that in the morning is because if I put that off till 6 p.m., I'll never do it. I'll have another excuse. I have Oh, this came up. I can't do it now. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I love so that. Yeah. Like, yeah, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, and then I, I get my day started. So then I check my email and my Instagram and get back to people who have been trying to contact me. Beautiful. I love that. Just like a quiet morning for you because it's true. If you don't do it in the morning, I mean, maybe you could do a night routine, but like just like an hour or two alone in the morning, yeah. I feel like it's mm-hmm. the first step in a magical day, at least for me. Yeah. And it sounds like for you too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear what's on the horizon for you business wise. Um, you can talk about your offerings and the things that, yeah, you're yeah. offering to the world and my listeners. Yeah. So I still do matchmaking with three day rules. So 
if you've been listening to this and thinking, I am ready to find my guy, I'm so sick of online dating, um, direct message me on Instagram. That's usually the best place to find me. So Nora DeKaiser, N-O-R-A-D-E-K-E-Y-S-E-R. Um, so just DM me and then I can connect you with three day rule and having a, a one hour meet and greet with one of the matchmakers there and seeing, you know, can this can be done over the and, phone or like that or is it is, in person? Most of it's in person. If you don't live in one of the cities, they have 13 cities nationwide. Um, if, and, and just check out their website too, if you want to see if they're in one of your cities. Um, but they do do matchmaking from afar. Um, but usually they do cities that they have matchmakers in. Um, if we don't have a, a city where you're located, that's when I usually recommend doing coaching with me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do lots of different types of coaching. Sometimes my clients were working on those limiting beliefs and those kind of the deep dive that we talked about today on the podcast. But sometimes people just need help with their online dating profile. Um, because being a matchmaker for the past five years, I know a lot about what people need in a relationship, what they want, what men are attracted to. Um, and not that you have to be something different to attract the right type of guys, but the number one thing men are attracted to is someone who's passionate, right? Mm -hmm. So that again, starts with, okay, what are you passionate about? How can we find that? How can we harness that? And then show that off in your profile, show Mm -hmm. that passion, show that feminine energy. Um, because that's what men crave. They, if you know how to do that, you will have a line of men up asking to go on dates with you. Um, so I just think in general too, awesome. like when you're living authentically, you're totally magnetic for everything, oh, for like men, yeah. for careers, for friends, for whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exact passion. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then lastly, I do something on my Instagram called the Monday match, where which I've I- loved watching by the yeah. way, I'm not single, but I'm like, I love just living vicariously through this, like looking at all the pictures. It's beautiful. I have so many people that are in relationships or married and they're like, oh my gosh, like, so who did you match her with? Yes. Uh, So yeah, tell us more about the Monday match. Yeah. So I'm basically trying with that, uh, trying to create something kind of similar to The Bachelor on Instagram where we, where I highlight one person a week. It's, it um, goes back and forth between a male and a female. Um, And I just make that person come alive and make that person like show who that person is. And then if that person is in your city and you're like, wait, that person kind of looks like my type or kind of looks like my brother's type or whatever it is, um, then DM me and I'll get to know kind of what you're looking for in a relationship. And if I think it's a good fit, then I set you guys up. Ooh, I love that. It's beautiful. It's fun. How, so how many have you done so far? I've only done, I just started. So I've only done like six, yeah. but they've all worked out really, really well. Have yeah. they? Do you keep in yeah. touch with them or is it kind of like yeah. you match okay. it and then send them off? Some people are, are a little more private than others. So I am trying to work with to start people that are willing to publicly be like, hey, like I'm interested in this person and you can share my photo because for the people that are in relationships kind of just watching from afar, they like to see the end of the story, the full circle. Um, but yeah, no, I follow up with everyone and everyone. It, it's, it's been really fun to see some of these relationships like start off just from me being like, hey, look, I have a friend. Are you interested? Yeah, I love that. Okay, beautiful. Okay, Nora, how do we get in contact with you? Um, just Instagram. That is honestly the best way to, to start with me. And then we'll go forward from there. If you want to set up a call for anyone listening to this, I'd love to set up a, like a free consultation call with me. So just DM me. Amazing. And, yeah, what you're looking for and if I'm the right person to help you. I love that. And your Instagram handle is at Nora Kaiser. Okay, beautiful. So just a few like rapid fire beauty questions because Cafe Band is like beauty obsessed too. What is your holy grail most favorite beauty product you own? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, mm, it can also be so maybe much. your favorite, like maybe your most purchased. 
beauty. Yeah, I was about to say, I have two, and on the price spectrum, they're annoyingly very different. Cetaphil, I every single night I love it yeah Mm -hmm. the cleanser you can get it from any CVS it's like nine dollars I'm obsessed with it I use it it every night um it just cleans my face and it's refreshing and doesn't have any fragrances or anything else that kind of can sometimes irritate my face on the other price spectrum is La Mer right like I I, Mm -hmm. yeah the cream the, the heavy cream um the night cream uh because I run really really dry so I have tried thousands of different types of lotion and that is the one lotion although it's expensive it has changed my skin um and my life okay I love that what's the best beauty tip you've ever received the best beauty tip I've ever received is confidence like I cannot tell you how much of a difference that makes when you are confident in yourself and in your story and who you are and what you are you are the most beautiful person in the world yeah I love that that's, and it's so true. Like you, and yeah. you can't like fake it too. Like once no. you're like owning it, you're unstoppable. I love it. There's a reason why Lizzo right now is so popular. Um, if you know her and her music, she's so unapologetically confident that people want to be around her, both men and women and anyone. Like you were saying, you're going to attract what you believe in yourself. And yeah, there's nothing that there's no plastic surgery. There's no makeup that is going to make you more beautiful if you. Um, if you believe in yourself. Okay. I love that. Okay. One item besides your wallet or phone that's always in your purse at all time with you. My God, my wallet or my phone that's always in my purse. Okay. So I have this hand sanitizer that is like all natural. I think it's Dr. Like, Ooh, tell me Dr. What? Uh, I don't know the name. Oh, it's okay. We can link it later. I, yeah, we can link it. Um, but it's all natural and it's just like a little hand sanitizer, um, that I use basically, you know, after I, after I touch anyone's hands because I like to stay healthy, um, but it's all natural. So I'll send it to you. I love it. Beautiful. Okay. Last question. Who is your like girl crush, your biggest beauty expander right now? Biggest beauty expander. Um, do you know Rachel Hollis from Girl Wash Your Face? I have her book. I haven't read her book yet. I need to read her book. It's like, it's on my shelf right now. Yeah. Yeah. So my alignment, my people, um, what I really believe in is what I said earlier about, okay, what's the best product? It's, it's confidence. Rachel Hollis is my idol. She preaches what I love to preach. And that's just, you know, believing in yourself, taking care of yourself. Um, and that just expands everything when it comes to beauty. Oh, beautiful. Nora, thank you so much for being on the show. Everyone go give Nora a follow and reach out to her for all of your dating relationship and just like personal self-care questions. If you want in coaching, reach out to her. Thank you so much for being on. Of course, it was so much fun. I'll talk to you guys later. Nora, babe, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. For everyone listening, go give Nora a follow. Go give her some love on her Instagram account. That is at Nora DeKaiser, and that is N-O-R-A-D-E-K-E-Y-S-E-R. Nora and I were talking, you guys, about doing a second episode, if you guys would be up for it, and it would be that first live coaching session with me and Nora. So she would be giving me a coaching session that you guys could just be a fly on the wall for. Let us know if you're interested in that because 
I'm an open book and I want to be even more open. I think there's so much power in facing the shadow, like you guys know, and in not having shame and just in telling our stories authentically. So if my sharing my story could help any of you and a live coaching call would be beneficial, let us know because we'd totally be up for that. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Cafe Binge Podcast. Until next time, may you notice all the wonderful, beautiful, binge-worthy parts of your day. Squeeze out every last drop, taste them, cherish them, because life was meant to be beautiful. Find me at cafebinge.com or on Instagram at cafebinge. Binge.